Hello friends, welcome back. Welcome back to the board game review room. I am Paco Garcia and this is a podcast all about playing a game for the first time so we can tell you how awesome or not the game is. I've already introduced myself so I'm going to lay it to my co-players. Michael Chamberlain playing the British. Max Murray, loyalist. And I'm Cesare Patterson, playing as the Patriots minus Mel Gibson. Friends, today we are revisiting one of our favourite companies. Um, if anything, in fairness, because he's one of our favourite people. I'm talking about uh, Academy Games, and obviously I'm also talking about Uwe Eichert. And of course, Academy Games so far... So far, yes. A champion company with Max. They've turned out a cooperative game that he doesn't hate. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, it's historically based, so it's always got a better chance. I'm talking about history. Today we are going to be playing 1775. For some reason, that means that I must align myself with the French. Hey, I'm the most British one round this table. No, I used to play any other side. It, it's not that you must align with the French. Mm -hmm. It's just that Michael and I won't. No, well. <laughs> <laughs> that leaves me little few choices left. They're not in this game, but the Spanish did fight with the French, Netherlands, and and obviously the States. Wait, so. wait, wait, wait. But wait, we're not playing. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> we fought with the French. Yeah, you got Florida out of the deal. And look where that got us. <laughs> what were we thinking? <laughs> we are rubbish at wars in Spain, aren't we? We really are rubbish. I mean, we lost against Disney Europe. World. That's me. Yeah, the, the British were pad badly outnumbered in this particular fight. We had like, no allies. By the end of it, everyone had pitched in on the uh, on the American side. Yeah. Anyway, apparently this game is all to do with a war of revolution. You know, when when Americans decided that they've had enough tea and they wanted out, and and they fought everyone. Said Chesley, what happened? You're um, American. You should know. Yes, uh, 1775. This was actually the American Revolution War. Ten years after. The American Revolution started um, two years prior to this. Seventy-three was the Boston Tea Party, which we all know about. Yes, Sarah Palin. <clears throat> and uh, so, seventeen seventy-five is when the war kicked off. It wouldn't be another year until um, the uh, Declaration of Independence. Right. Uh, but yeah, um, American wanted to be free of uh, British rule. Wonder why? Um, <laughs> Taxes and lack yeah. of representation, largely. But yes. Yeah. So talking about the game, which is what we're meant to be doing, um, as always, top-notch production. Yeah. Once again, they put together a board of a high enough quality that you could live under this if you needed to. Oh, never mind that. I would happily frame it and put it on my mm -hmm. wall. Yeah, amazing board. Uh, practical, sturdy. Um, real nice quality. Lovely cartography is just absolutely delightful. Very, very simple. Fantastic color palette. And amazingly flat. There yes. we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's perfect. Really, really perfect. Um, player boards on the thing side. Well, they're not player boards. They're not reminder cards. Yeah. They're reminder cards. You won't need this after you've played the first few games. So. That thing. That's the board, by the way. The player cards. Not the board. That's not I, I honestly don't think with these, they're, they're thick enough. I don't think it matters. Well, they're just there as a reminder as well. You know, it's something that you don't need to play. It's showing the map, what mm -hmm. die faces there are, how many units 
each side can field. Mm -hmm. Well, that's fairly obvious because you've all got your cubes out in front of you the whole time anyway. So once you know how to play, these go back in the box. I think they're literally there just as a teaching aid more than anything. Um, speaking of cubes, there are a ton of them in, what have we got, seven different colours? Yes. Yep. For the different factions here, you've got the British regulars, the Patriots, the Hessians, the French, the Native Americans. Virtually everyone who is involved is represented in the form of wooden cubes. And we have also some very funky looking dice. I like the style, I like the iconography in this. You, you have concentric circles and then the Brits running away. Uh, Brits, hello, the French are in this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding the British regulars, I only have three hits, there's no running away on these dice. Oh, are there? Yeah, and oddly enough in this game, the French do not run away. This is uh, That's a first. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, French listeners, we do apologise. Sorry. The dice themselves, though, they're etched, mm -hmm. so you're going to get a decent amount of wear, play off of them, yep. nothing's going to wear off. Each side has their own dice with their own setup in their own colours as well. So to go with our seven colours of cube, we've got seven colours of dice. Yep. The, the whole thing, I have to say, it looks absolutely delightful. The, the box insert is fantastic. Mm. And the rules look gorgeous. Michael, how, how easy were they to read? Yeah, they were very, very friendly to read. The game itself is not hugely complicated, which is nice. Mm -hmm. I mean, they market it as a, a family-level war game, and it's very believable from what I've been reading. The components aren't overly heavy mechanically. You know, we've each got our own deck of cards, and that's where the majority of the gameplay is. The rules are very well laid out, and as with Academy Games and all their products, you get a nice chunk of history right at the back of the book, so you know what it is that this is meant to be recreated for you. Yeah. I mean, to show how interesting it is, uh, Michael's uh, fiance has just been sitting there and just reading the history, you know, almost like a textbook. She, she hasn't read any of the rules or any of the rest of the game, but she's been interested in that, so it's really well done. Even for people who aren't interested in games, the history itself is, is laid out beautifully. Well, I think it's one of the signatures of um, Academy Games. Um, they, they always make very historically accurate games, and they manage to make history into a fun, interesting thing, which is not an easy thing to do. History is a fun and interesting thing. Okay. You should have learned with my history teacher, and I can guarantee you that history was not a fun thing to do. Trust me. Okay, I'd have to go back in time, become Spanish, but yeah, all right. Years, yeah. <laughs> Jezra, you've been looking through the cards. Yes, I have. Um, that took you a while. There are... Yeah, I, I wasn't sure what he was asking there. Um, yeah, I, I just had a look through. There are quite a few cards that are, are very basic and the exact same <clears throat> on every single, single one. So those are mostly to do with the movement. Um, however, you do get quite a few unique cards that are to do with either uh, important historians to, to do with the events or events that happened during that time. Not only uh, does that add a bit of flavor, but you get a little information about either that person or event on the card itself. So while you're playing, you're picking up some information about what happened if you don't know, you know, the, who was involved and what happened. So that, that's a nice little touch. If you're not careful, you just might learn something. Mm. So Michael, give us the one minute rules review of this thing. Okay, so we're each going to have a very small deck of cards. 
Within that there are a number of event cards and there are a number of movement cards. Each turn we have to play a movement card which will allow us to move armies around the board. An army we can move needs to contain one of our cubes. But it can also contain cubes from our allies. So in this mere Max will be the side of the British. He's playing the... Uh, is it the Loyalists? The Loyalists, yeah. The Loyalist Militia and I'm the British Regulars. So we'll be able to move around each other's troops as well as the Hessians when they turn up as well. And any Native American Indians that side with us. You only need to control one of the cubes in an army to move it. Interesting detail. We'll move into areas we'll be using the dice to resolve conflicts between the two sides. Mm -hmm. And turn order will be decided randomly each round. Oh, okay. Each of us also has in our decks a card labelled Truce. Mm -hmm. When both players of a single side have played their Truce card, after the third round, that will end the game. And whoever controls the most areas on the board will win the game. So there's this variable end game to it as well. Troops are going to run away, reserves are going to turn up, people will be killed and come off the board, and these event cards will show up at different stages to change whatever aspect they're relating to. The event cards are unique to each deck, so it should be interesting. Nice yes. bit of history, the rules feel light, and this random turn order mechanic sounds like it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So, shall we learn some history? I already know the history, but let's play, yeah. Listeners and welcome back. We haven't quite finished, but we've had good. How long are we playing? Two hours? Yeah, yeah, probably just under that. Two hours, mm -hmm. and we're probably getting towards Endgame um, of uh, 1775 Revolution. What does everyone think? For once, I am determined not to start. <laughs> I was immediately the to say Max, though. <laughs> okay, Paco, what do you think of this game? Loved it. This yeah. is fantastic. I was obliterated. I was going to be pounded on the ground and into the ground forevermore to drill some oil from whatever the states we were trying to conquer in this game. But <laughs> I loved it. Uh, brilliant. Uh, I, I absolutely love this game. Really, really enjoyed every second of it. Um, surprisingly deep, considering the lightness of the rules. Let's go to Michael next for someone who likes to uh, break games. What do you think of this? Heavy enough for you? The rules, no. The rules aren't heavy enough for me. But that said, the strategy in it is. You know, the rules are very light, very easy to learn. I think for people certainly like me and Max, and you were doing it a lot as well, Cesare, you can throw the box time out the window if you're going to really go into the tank and think about this. If you're prepared to play at a far lighter level, you get this done really quickly. And I'm mm. sure there are people who've completed games of this in less than two hours without batting an eyelid and they've had fun. For us, this is probably nearer a three-hour game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this this is simple enough as a family game, but uh, 
but for us, yeah, we're putting a lot more. Max? It takes me long enough to play Risk. <laughs> <laughs> um, I liked it. I have a couple of issues. Okay. As is my position on this podcast. I think surprise, surprise. But, um, but it was fun. And as okay. Michael says, there, there, there is a level of strategy. What I, the thing I really did like about it, before I start complaining, is, um, <laughs> is, is actually the cooperative element. Because okay. it's not a co-op in the traditional sense. It's, you know, a two versus two war game. Hmm. So, yeah, yeah. And I really actually enjoyed that. I like, you know, I, I really like conferring with my partner and working out strategies of what you plan to do, um, which in a way works really well with the, the random turn system where, where every turn you, you pull out uh, the different colour cubes which re- represent which order you're going to go in. So you can work out with your partner what you're going to do based on that. However... That's also my problem. The, the turn structure can be utterly devastating because in one turn, if, if you and your partner go third and fourth in the turn and then the, in the next round you go first and second, you essentially get four turns in a row to just pound your opponent, which can also, I think, affect the end game. So you could have essentially four turns in a row and then play, say, your second truce card and just win and the game will end at that point. You know, they, they they would get they would get another you know the, to finish the round. But when you've had four turns in a, a row to really hammer them, it's it's quite tough. I agree with that. Just based on the reinforcements action, more than anything else, you can only reinforce when you happen to control the area and it's got a city in it. Mm. Now, if your opponent's going to take essentially four turns in a row, that can really limit where you can reinforce dramatically. And you've never got exactly great choices in this. Everything is always margins. Mm. You know, it's never here is my power play. It's all, I think we can push a little bit further here without stretching ourselves too thin. But I wonder if the reason to have the random order is precisely to stop people from building their powerhouses and making the game less predictable from that point of view. Yeah, I mean, with the attacks as well, you're still using dice, so you're still using the 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 object of chance, you know, with your attacks. And, yeah, we uh, saw some crazy battles that didn't turn out anything like exactly. they should have on yeah. paper. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this from my point of view, which is the, the perpetual casual gamer. Let's say that you randomly draw and you are always in the same order. That mm. means that somebody can plan three turns in advance, which that puts me, somebody who is not strategically minded, compared to the two of you who are strategically minded, immediately I have no chance because you have three rounds to prepare absolutely everything. I don't agree, I'm afraid, Paco. Mm. The fact that you're drawing a hand of three cards from your own personal deck, that's one of three choices. And you can actually play all three of your cards in a given turn if they're events. Then you've got where are they going to reinforce on the board? And then you've got, what are the dice going to do after they've made their idea of what is the tactically right move? I don't think you can plan three turns ahead. You can have a where I'd like to be in three turns, but this game has got far more tactics than would allow you to plan that far and ahead and it have realistic value. I think my other problem with the game is actually the reinforcing, in a way. Um, I, I like that it's sort of realistic in that you can only really reinforce areas you hold that have cities as if mm. you're conscripting perhaps you know that sort of or, or, or supplying extra troops but at the same time because of the way the layout started in, in how we played it meant that, that basically in the south 
uh, the British had almost no hold for the whole game. We only start off with a few troops down there. Mm. We can't reinforce it because we didn't hold a whole area. And uh, basically, you just immediately pounded us, and that was it. So we were stuck essentially in the north side, which has the reverse effect for you because we started off with you know the the Canadian sort of areas. Mm. You you never really got a look in. There are some cards that allow you to um, move troops by boat, which would allow for some attacks uh, in the back, but. It, it makes it really, uh, it makes it really awkward. So most of the fighting was just heavily in the middle around New York, um, and, and there, there are other times where, where if if we you get a couple of goes, you have say six areas of dominance in which you can place your troops, but uh, then if your opponents get two turns running with the luck of the random turn, they can absolutely decimate you to like two places. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're at that point you're really restricted in where you can place troops. It seemed to work. I'm not sure how, <laughs> because it all seemed to balance out. And, and at the end, when we did finish, we, there was only a point difference in it. But it was just a bit random. I, I think, think that's that. It felt random, and that that that's my problem with it. Because as you say, I'm strategically minded, so the variance in it do irritate me just a bit. But it's still fun. Hmm. I found that one of the things that helped balance was the flea mechanic, that your troops didn't automatically die, they went to an area to the board that you could retrieve them later on. So if in previous turns your armies got decimated, when it came around to your turn, there's a chance that there were a bunch of troops there to come back, and and that seemed to happen quite a bit. Um, I would say the only minor issue I had in the game were the cards I drew. There were a couple of turns where a couple of my cards clashed, so I could only use one movement card per turn because I couldn't use two cards together. I couldn't use my event card with a movement card, so I only could do one action per turn for a couple of rounds. Um, but that's just luck of the draw yet again. Um, this, I mean, it, from every aspect, they've tried to make this a military game a lot of variance so that anyone can play it. Um, but it does work it does. Yes. despite, despite my yeah. niggles about a couple of the minor mechanics because I'm like that uh, <laughs> yeah if it, you played really poorly then yeah uh, someone could walk all over you but uh, but it's still it's still really it still really works I'm, I had a lot of fun playing it yeah I did as well did. Yeah, I, I absolutely loved it um, for me this is a massive huge version of as we were saying when, when we were playing of Dos de Mayo, um, it, it plays not in a similar way, but it has an awful lot of similarities that make the game just as fun and, and interesting. And because of the, I don't know, the, the whole thing is it, just very, very satisfying to me. I love it. A very satisfying game, as everyone else has said. For me, it generates something of the stuff that I really love out of Memoir 44. Mm-hmm. Hugely popular, yeah. massively selling game for Days of Wonder. Very differently produced. This hasn't got minis, it's got the cubes. But the big thing that takes this over the top and means that this will probably see more table time going forward is me and Max play a ton of Memoir 44, but that is very much two players and that's it. There's a variant for it where you can play with six, uh, I think it's eight players rather, the Overlord variant. But that's as close as that gets for team play. This the fact you could play one versus one, and yet you can sit and do it like we have, which is two versus two. It's just that bit more adaptable, and it has that historic depth, that card-driven combat that's reliant ultimately on dice 
and you don't know how it's going to fall. And it takes next to no time to teach. So hold on a minute. This is a potentially a co-op game in a way that Max likes. This, this team. <laughs> team. Team. Yeah. team. I like team games because they're still competitive. Yeah. Which is exactly yeah, what this is. So you, get, you get to work with a partner to, to, to crush your enemies, which is great. When, when we're playing a full co-op game and you're just essentially uh, fighting, fighting against mechanics, you're fighting against the game, yeah. that I don't enjoy. It, it feels a lot more limited. This, this uh, even though you two, as you say, aren't necessarily the same... Uh, sort of gamers as Michael and I, where you like uh, a bit of strategy, you still played actually really well, and it was it felt really balanced despite mm. despite us being different types of gamers. So uh, as a team game, I think it works brilliantly for that. It, it still gives the level of depth for for us to work out planning, and at the same time still allows uh, lighter gamers to have a great time. So it it, it hits that sweet spot quite well. Yeah. So four to have four gamers approve of this game. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Thank you for listening. Your hosts for this podcast have been Paco, Michael and Max. This podcast has been produced by Michael Chamberlain with help from Paco Garcia. The music has been composed by Kevin. We would love to hear from you. Feedback and your questions are always welcome and you can email us at podcast.gmsmagazine.com You can also follow us on Twitter. We are at GMS Magazine. And we are on Facebook and Google Plus and we'll be more than happy to talk to you. Remember to subscribe to the GMS Magazine podcast channel in iTunes and please do give us a review and a rating, which is truly appreciated. For more quality shows, listen to our other rooms, the RPG room, the board game room and the interview rooms. But until next time, let the games continue. By the way, Uwe, I'm still scrubbing the stains of the sofa from where you came into the review and interview room. <laughs>